Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, aka MMA Lock of the Night, and on Twitter at MMALOTN. If you guys have been following me on Twitter, you guys will know the stupidity that came ac- uh, across my my life yesterday. Um, thought I uh, had hit record, and, and I think I've actually whittled down the, the reasoning as to why it didn't end up recording, so I know for sure I hit record. Uh, it just turns out the the camera that I use uh, to record, I had not deleted the prior um, podcast that I had recorded with it. So it's it's a very limited stored space on the camera itself. I think it, it started recording and then there was only about two minutes of it that I actually got. Uh, and then it just stopped recording itself. You know, one man show over here. So it's a, a little bit difficult to see if the camera is actually rolling or not after I hit play um, or record. But now I know. Uh, just always make sure that I'm checking the the the, re- the recycling bin on the phone and all that stuff to make sure it's completely clear uh, and ready to go for another podcast. So that was my stupidity. So my punishment, I got to go through this entire card again from you know bottom to top. Uh, hopefully bring the same type of passion and energy that I did last night when I was recording it. Um, it's probably better that I recorded today anyway. I was coming off a two and a half to three hour podcast yesterday with one of the guests that I had in studio. Uh, so I was still trying to give it my best. I feel like I did really good. However, there is no evidence out there in terms of uh, actually getting able to see what my performance was like last night. So um, you guys get a brand new one regardless. Uh, going to record this from the beginning. I'm hoping I still touch on everything that I hit yesterday. Um, I'm pretty sure I will once I really get into the swing of things. So um Let's let's just get into it. Let's let's do the quick recap of the prior event, which was UFC Auckland. Um, lock of the night hits four point seven five units on Yan Xiaonan minus two fifty six uh, profits for one point eight six units. Happy with that one. I you know I knew pretty much from the get go that she was going to be my lock of the night play. I pretty I waited until maybe an hour or two before the actual event to place the bet because I was hoping there's going to be some late money coming in on Carolina. That just didn't end up happening, so I had to like kind of bite the bullet and play the minus two fifty six, and I'm happy with that. You know, it, 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 people will talk about you know the cap a fighter at like minus two forty or something like that, and they'll never play them if they get past that. I, I understand that logic, and I'm I'm totally behind it. Uh, but with the lock of the night play thing, like for me, it's if I am uber confident in a specific fighter or, or in a super uh, or in a in a prop or whatever the fuck it is, uh, I'm giving myself up to minus 300 or even minus 350 if I need to, if there's really nothing else on, on the card that I, I can, you know, dig my teeth into. Um, but with Yan, I knew from the get-go, I was even willing to bet her up as, as high as the minus 300 range. She's just, you know, this was the perfect matchup for her. So, Lock, uh, uh, lock of the night play hits everything else kind of shits to bed 1.2 units at plus 174 on Loma me. Uh, you know not not too mad with the value that I ended up getting on Loma and her her performance uh, the only issue I did have in that fight was the fact in the first round that she accepted the back foot as often as she did I kind of expected her to push it a little bit more but uh, you know it is what it is Angela Hill goes out there and gets another victory in this crazy run that she's on uh, and then also I had another dog in the night play 0.75 units at plus 185 on Kai Car France and Tyson Nam to go under two and a half rounds I expected those guys to go out there and throw leather they did uh, I expected one of their chins to actually you know, take the fall there, but both of their chins, uh, you know, did hold up, so we ended up whiffing on that one there, and then also I had a small sprinkle on Yan Jiaonan inside the distance, 0.25 units at plus 480, you know, that fight was pretty damn close to being stopped, you know, if I was on 
Carolina's corner, I probably would have thrown in the towel. Uh, but that's probably just me being biased as fuck and, and missing out on that. So with all that whiffing and including the, the Hail Mary Patreon parlay, minus 2.5 units or 0.25 units there, uh, we ended up uh, minus 0.59 units on the night. Small loss, very small loss, but it's a loss nonetheless, so it hurts just as much. But we're back right into the thick of things with UFC Norfolk uh, going down this weekend, headlined by uh, Joseph Benavides and Davison Figueredo. Great fight there in terms of, you know, guys that are deserving of that title shot. Uh, the odds are, you know, kind of roller coastery over the last couple of days in terms of going from close to a pick'em to now minus 145 Joseph Benavides. Kind of get the love there. I, I completely understand that. Um, the card overall in terms of like, you know, throughout... And again, I say this every fucking podcast. I'm a, I'm a I'm an MMA nerd, and with the amount of time that you put into each of these matchups, even if you don't have a bet on it, you still want to see how it plays out in terms of your reads and seeing if you actually you know called the fight the way that it should have been. So uh, I'm very excited. But you know, a couple of things that stand out stand out to me: the Australian one boy Ishmael Nardiev against Sean Brady. That should be a great fight. I'm excited for the debut of Alan Cruz, who had a great uh, you know performance on the Contender Series. Uh, Brendan Allen against Tom Breeze. That's a fight that I'm really looking forward to. Luis Pena, it's always fun to watch him fight. Um, Megan Anderson, you know, she's trying to string together a couple wins in the featherweight division to to, to stake a claim for a title shot. Uh, Ian Kutilaba against Magomed Ankalaev. That should be fireworks. That should be a great fight. Felicia Spencer should be, you know, going in there and bulldozing this girl, Zara Farn. Um, again, still mystified as to why it's the co-main event feel like they'd want to push megan anderson a little bit more but then again you're kind of spitting in felicia spencer's face if you headline with megan anderson over felicia spencer where you know spencer just beat her a couple fights ago so i get that and then obviously the main event super happy that benavides is getting a title shot against somebody not named dominic cruz uh or not named Demetrius Johnson. Uh, you know, his only other loss other than those two guys was that one against Sergio Perez where he was coming back after a pretty off of a pretty extensive layoff. So that, that's just something to keep in mind with that fight. But this is a great fight with him and Davis and Figueredo. So I'm excited from uh, bottom to top again. Uh, I'm not going to be able to watch it live now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, me and my man Rockstar Z are going to be going to a local Kitchener, uh, local MMA event here in Kitchener, Ontario, not too far off from us. Uh, so we're going to be missing the fights, obviously. Uh, but then I believe we're going to come back to my place and just catch up and, and watch ourselves. So um, no spoilers. I'm going to stay off of uh, as social media as much as possible so I don't get anything fucking spoiled. I'm sure Z is going to do the same thing. At least I hope he will. Um, but again, if you guys are in the Toronto area or near the Kitchener area, come out to the fights. Say hi. Say what's up. Shoot me a text on uh, on Twitter You know, before the UFC fight starts. <laughs> Uh, the UFC fights start or even hit up the, the YouTube comment section if you're going to be there and come by and say what up. We'll, 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 you know, say what up. Actually see these people in, in person and no more fucking keyboard warriors for some of these guys. Uh, all right. Let's get into the, the to the fight. I'm kind of surprised that they're actually kicking off the card with Ishmael Nardiev against Sean Brady. You know, this fight should be fun while it lasts. Uh, we'll start off with Sean Brady. Had a pretty impressive debut against Court McGee first time out. Apologies. Um, he brought a very interesting style to the cage. He's kind of lucky that he had the speed advantage over Court McGee in that fight because he was pretty much landing whenever he wanted to. Uh, throws a lot of big looping hooks. Uh, has a mean leg kick as well too. So if, he, if he's able to establish that, uh, that should really play into his game here against Ishmael. Um, you know, I think he could make it a grinding fight too. I think he could get this fight to the ground. I think he's strong enough and he has the technique to back it up too. Um 
but with uh, Ishmael, you know, in that fight against Sir Bahadur Zada last time around, I think people are getting a little bit jaded by that. I think people are saying like, oh, look, he took down Sierra pretty much at will and was able to hold on top for that entire fight. If you guys go back and watch Sierra's pretty much his entire career, whenever he's lost, it's due to guys doing the exact same thing, which is taking him down. His takedown defense is just not the greatest. And Ishmael has decent wrestling credentials. He's not just a striker, uh, has fun, you know really good striking abilities, but he's not a complete novice when it comes to grappling. I think he's going to have a lot of harder time taking Sean Brady down. I think the reason he took CR down is because he wanted to take out the, the possibility of CR landing one of those bombs and putting him out. I think once he starts feeling that from, from Sean Brady, he might try to go the, the same way. And I think he's, I don't think he's going to be as successful with the takedowns as he was uh, against um, uh, Bahadur Zada. So that's something to keep in mind here. I, I think it should, it's going to stay on its feet. Uh, and for Brady to come out on the winning end here, he's really going to have to establish that leg kick. I think if he starts to render Nardiev a little bit immobile, uh, it's going to be uh, a long night for Nardiev, and that's where I start to see Brady really closing the distance uh, and implementing that grinding style of his as well. Uh, I see him being able to get Nardiev down, so that's I'm not counting that out of the realm of possibility. In terms of odds, when I recorded this yesterday, um, or when I recorded the podcast, podcast yesterday the imaginary podcast is out there in the ether uh brady was roughly around the plus 105 ish range what he's currently at right now i was thinking of betting him around the plus 125 range i don't think he's going to get back to that so i will monitor that line throughout the week and see if i can get that money back on him otherwise i'm, I'm probably probably going to pass on this fight but i'm going to take sean brady by decision think it's a great stylistic fight you know is it Nardiev is is he really going to be able to you know implement his striking and 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 stay loose on the feet and not really get too uh caught up in Sean Brady's power punches that he's going to be throwing and closing the distance with uh who knows uh but I'm I'm, I'm gonna stay away from this fight especially if it's going to be out of pick em. uh but if you give me the plus 125 to plus 130 on Sean Brady I'll consider it but I'm not too keen on that either so I'm gonna take Sean Brady by decision there um but it's it's a very, very close fight, obviously, considering the odds as well. All right, let's move on to Alan Cruz against um, Spike Carlisle. We'll start off with Spike Carlisle. Uh, he was in the, the Contender Series a couple fights ago now. Was he in the Contender Series? Oh, I'm, I'm completely forgetting that. I'm absolutely mixing him up with somebody else. He's been in the LFA. He's had a couple fights. Um, he's he's kind of like one of those Tay Edwards type of fighters. You know, he's very... Uh, uh, He's very dense, like he's one of those shorter guys that are just jacked to shit. Uh, loves to throw the overhand hooks, um, overhand, just hooks in general, closing the distance, trying to land those power shots, trying to close the distance and trying to get you down. You know, uh, I believe it was his fight with, um, I can't remember exactly who it was, but he was having a lot of issues trying to close the distance with some of these fighters. Uh, but once he was actually able to close the distance, he was able to get some of these guys down. Uh, he's going to have a little bit of a size discrepancy to, to overcome here. He's 5'7 with a 71-inch reach. Alan Cruz, 6 foot with a 78-inch reach. So once these guys actually get locked into the cage with each other, it's going to look like two guys that are probably not in the same weight class. Cruz does a really good job in terms of using his kicks, using his range, and using his length. Um, I think that's where it's going to the kind of the, 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 the spot that... that people are going to have to pay most attention to in terms of seeing how this fight is going to play out. Uh, I think he has a skill, you know, he continues to get better in terms of holding that range and landing big shots. You know, say what you want about uh, leading up to that fly knee that he had against Steven Ewan. He did decent. Uh, the only real like, 
uh, knock that I've seen on him, at least in the tape that I've run, is in his fight against Damon Blackshear, which he got tapped out in, in the fourth round. Uh, was doing decent from range, but once Blackshear was able to close the distance and get his paws on him, uh, it was tough for him to really break out uh, of those positions. It just seemed like Damon was the the stronger fighter, uh, and I think that Cruz has definitely gotten stronger since you know June of 17. So that's something that he's going to have to continuously work on, especially against a very strong guy like Spike. But he did a decent job as long as his gas tank was holding up for him. And albeit that this fight went into the fourth round, um, you know, that's when he started to slow down. And I got to believe that, you know, in that amount of time, he has been able to work on his cardio. He looked really good in his last two decision fights, Um, you know, the NFC fight as well as his contender series fight. Uh, But again i like what i see in terms of him holding his range using his kicks as much as he does too he's very fluid when he goes from orthodox to to southpaw as well too uh he does it like mid combination as well that's something very impressive something that we see a lot out of Wonderboy thompson not trying to compare the two but that is a comparable trait that i have seen uh between them so you know cruz is going to continue to get better i think stylistically this is a really tough fight for spike uh, he's going to be eating a lot of shots, trying to close the distance. Uh, he's going to start to gas himself out, chasing the takedowns as well, too. So um, I, I get the the reason as to why Cruz is a minus-185 favorite. My only thing, though, and it, it's something that I'm trying to implement in myself, and it's something that I, I believe I kind of fucked up in, in the last couple events or so, but don't bet on debuting fighters. And even if they're fighting a debuting fighter themselves, who knows what the mindset is is going into that into that cage and as much talent as I believe Cruz has, um, I'm not willing to to part way with my money uh, for that minus 185 on Cruz. I am taking Cruz to win and I'm going to say probably by second round KO, um, but I, I just can't find myself to actually place the money on Cruz myself. Uh, again, both guys are are debuting here. Who knows who's going to come come in there and believe that they deserve to be there more? You know, Spike is coming in on pretty short notice. Cruz was actually supposed to fight Steven Peterson before, um, so that's something to take into consideration. Yeah, I, I think this is definitely a more favorable fight for Cruz, and obviously the the odds reflect that. He was minus one twenty against Steven Peterson. Here he is minus one eighty five against Spike. So uh, I like Cruz. I'm going to take him by second round KO, uh, but I'm staying away from it. I may, I might put him in my Hail Mary parlay. That's something that I'll consider just because it's just peanuts that I'll put on that. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with Cruz here, just not enough to, to bet him straight as an official bet. So I'm taking Cruz by second round KO. Hope that is uh, persuasive enough for you guys. All right, next up, we got TJ Brown against Jordan Griffin. Start off with Jordan Griffin. This is a guy that I believe is just like a kind of a jack of all trades, but his his shining light or his his most uh, his best advantage, I'd say, would be his striking, especially in this matchup against TJ Brown. TJ Brown, in most of his fights, you can see that he makes no bones about it. He wants to get this fight to the ground as soon as possible. I think he's going to try to do the same thing here too. The one thing that we saw in the Chas Skelly fight for Jordan Griffin is that he's pretty good at scrambling. He's pretty good at getting out of bad positions. Uh, he has amazing sub defense. I don't know how the fuck he was still breathing when Chas Skelly had him in that crazy uh, submission in that first round, that, that rear naked choke. But he's able to get out of that. There's a lot of fun tra- scrambles and transitions there. I think Chas Skelly is a stronger wrestler than TJ Brown here. So I think that uh, you know Jordan Griffin shouldn't have as much issues. Um, and again, TJ Brown making his debut. If you guys remember his uh, contender series fight, he actually got clocked pretty early by Dylan Lockhart, uh, and then eventually, you know, came back, grinded that fight out. Eventually, got the arm triangle choke midway through the third round. Um, 
I like Griffin here. In terms of odds, minus 130 Griffin. Slowly getting into bettable range, in my opinion. Uh, but I can never find myself actually, you know, going to the to the to the to the betting windows and actually betting Jordan Griffin. I, I don't know what it is about him. Like he's just good enough, but uh, this might be TJ Brown's breakout fight. Like he might go out there and take down Griffin right away and and submit him. Uh, but in terms of the odds that I'm currently looking at, I I lean towards Griffin. I don't mind the minus one thirty, but I'm not going to bet it myself. Again, I believe he has a superior striking. We've seen Brown rocked in the past before. We know that he's going to try to get this fight to the ground as soon as possible. But with what we've seen from Jordan Griffin in terms of his his uh, his grappling defense and his scrambling uh, abilities, I believe it's going to be a lot harder for TJ Brown to actually go out there and and secure a, a position or secure some sort of uh, submission on Jordan Griffin either. And again, he has those those UFC jitters coming into this fight too. That's something to consider and. I feel like it's such an amateur thing to talk about, but we've seen it time and time again where guys come out there with their UFC debuts and they're highly touted or whatever the fuck it is, and they go out there and completely shit the bed. Like the one that's always in my head, and it's a fight that I had a lot of money on, was my lock of the night play on uh, Jeff Hughes over Maurice Green. Literally a fight max, two fights before Jeff Hughes went out there and beat uh, Maurice Green in a five-rounder, pretty decisively as well too. And then he goes out there and loses a decision to Maurice Green again two fights or so later. Did not show up at all, looked completely flat-footed, didn't even look like he wanted to be there. Could be TJ Brown, the, the same thing here too. You know, he he could have the, the superior grappling advantage and actually go out there and sub Jordan Griffin, but you got to think about those X factors on the outside in terms of uh, TJ Brown getting the victory. So I'm going to go with Griffin via decision. Uh don't know if I'll actually put in my lock of the or my Hail Mary parlay. Probably pass on it. Uh, but I'm taking Griffin by decision. Ugh. I'm not sure why my nose is bugging me so much, but it is what it is. Anyway, Sergey Spivak versus uh, Marcin Tybura. This fight is pretty dead even. Minus 120, plus 100 at five times right now, even on other uh, bookies. But this is an interesting fight. You know, if this fight took place maybe a year ago, you would probably get Marcin Tabura at like minus 300 or minus 250 or something like that. But Sergei Spivak has managed to, you know, turn the crowd around and actually try to root for this kid. You know, Walt Harris goes out there and starches him in 50 seconds and everybody's starting to write him off, especially in that tied to Ivasa fight. A lot of people are going in there and like, you know, Tuivasa is probably going to clip this kid on the chin, put him out, uh, you know, and move on. But Sergei Spivak goes out there and plays a perfect game plan continues to get tied to Ivasa to the ground and eventually finishes that fight off with an arm triangle choke in the second round you know he's a big guy this is these are two big heavyweights here we got a 6'3 78 inch reach for uh, Spivak uh, 6'3 78 inch reach for for Tybura I think that Spivak is actually going to have this the slight advantage on the ground here uh, I think that's where he's going to want to get the fight Marcin Tybura we've seen him on numerous occasions go out there and outpoint his opponents on the feet smooth hands uh decent footwork um but the issue with him coming into this fight is he's coming off of two pretty bad knockouts in his last couple fights Shamil Abdurahimov and then uh Augusto Sakai you know you got to be be worried about that one little split uh, you know hiccup on the on the heavyweight scene in the UFC and you can find yourself staring at the fucking lights uh, I think, you know, I'm not saying that Sergei Spivak is any crazy power puncher out there or, or an amazing striking fighter, but you got to keep that in mind when you are betting these fights. 
I'm leading Spivak here. It, it, this fight is a complete pass for me. I, I, I don't trust Tybora's chin, nor do I trust the full arsenal that Spivak has here. And, you know, Tybora's no slump on the ground either, too. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, too. So uh, he definitely has that uh, in his back pocket. In terms of the fight, doesn't go to decision. Do they have that? Oh, they only have Tybora to win inside the distance is plus 275. Maybe if they have the fight at, like, over under one and a half i would consider the over one and a half unfortunately i don't have that number in front of me right now so i can't really give you guys an educated guess but if that's in like the the minus 120 to like minus 150 range i think that might be the way to go we could see a, a more conservative tybora maybe trying to clinch up a little bit more try to uh wear out spivak and then spivak is obviously going to want to grapple himself too and probably get this fight to the ground and we could see tybora's submission hold up a little bit but I'm going to go with Spivak probably to win by third round TKO. I think he gets Tybora down uh, a little bit more. His size is going to be a little bit too much for him too. Again, they're roughly about the same size, but I trust Spivak on top a little bit more than I would Tybora. Uh, but again, picking either side will probably be a pass for me, but I'll go with Spivak by third round TKO. All right. Next up, let's keep moving this train along. We got Brendan Allen against the returning Tom Breeze. For everybody that's familiar with Tom Breeze or may not know about Tom Breeze, he hasn't fought since he fought Daniel Kelly way back in May of 2018. Even before that, he didn't fight until he fought Sean Strickland, uh, June of 2016. Like he has all these extended layoffs in between because I believe it's all mental for him. Like there's a lot of stories out there that he just he has too much anxiety. He's not able to really have it, put his thoughts together. I, I believe the the Ian Heinish fight literally just got scrapped the day of the fight after wins and all that type of shit. So that's definitely an X factor to to to, th to think about going into this fight. Now, if you want to talk skill for skill, Tom Breeze probably has one of the most smoothest striking games that you'll ever see. He uses his length very well in terms of size. We're talking about six three with a seventy three and a half inch reach. Brendan Allen six two with a seventy seven inch reach. So. Breeze has a little bit of the size advantage here, height-wise. Uh, Allen will have the, the reach advantage here. Um, I think we'll definitely see the size play a little bit of a factor with Breeze. Uh, you know, if he's able to get into the groove and he's not really completely rattled going into the cage, he should go out there and, and maybe even knock out Brendan Allen. But I think Brendan Allen's ability to get fights to the ground and, and ride guys out is going to be very important here. We've seen Breeze getting taken down by Nakamura and all these other guys in the past, and that's kind of how you make things a little bit difficult for Breeze. Um, I believe Allen is going to have to lean on that, and he's going to have to trust his hands a little bit to get on the inside and actually get this fight to the ground, but I could absolutely see him going out there and pushing Breeze against the cage, making it rough, and then eventually getting him down. Um, I don't know how you can go out there and completely trust Breeze. You know, again, the layoff, the, the the mental state that he's in going into the cage, those are things that need to be thought about when you're placing a bet or if you're going to place a bet on Tom Breeze. You know, fighters like uh, Keita Nakamura, Daniel Kelly, Carl Pendred to an extent, even Sean Strickland, not really the most intimidating going into fights. And I don't think Brendan Allen really fits that mold either. But I think it would be very smart of him. And I think he's capable of doing this. I think he's aware of this as well, too. Whenever they are, you know, whenever they're at the hotel or at the weigh-ins or doing any stare-downs, try to get into Breeze's head. And it's a double-sided sword. I mean, you can go out there and try to get into Tom Breeze's head and maybe he gets into the cage and he's not fully confident and he's kind of scared about the type of persona that Alan was bringing into the cage. Or 
he just scares Tom Breeze to shit and Breeze just pulls out the fight as we've seen him again. And if he ends up doing that, I think that might be the end of Tom Breeze in the UFC because how many times can you go out there, you know, get guys to do training camps for this guy and then he just doesn't show up into the cage. I don't know if Brendan Allen will completely go that route. I think that's something that he could consider to try to get into Tom Breeze's head and then eventually, you know, take that into the fight and grapple fuck him and, and go out there and win all 15 minutes. But skill for skill, again, like I said, Tom Breeze is striking on point. His one-two is insane. It's quick. It's fast. It's right down the pipe. It could definitely crack Brendan Allen. But just based on the the outstanding factors here, the X factors that you got to consider going into this fight, I wouldn't mind the small poke on Brendan Allen at plus money. Uh, plus 115 is what he's currently at. I think we'll see a little bit more Breeze money coming in as the week goes on. So I wouldn't mind keeping an eye on Brendan Allen and maybe, you know, taking the the plus 130 if we get into that range plus 140 I, I think that's a little bit of a stretch but Brendan Allen is talented the kid's been around he's fought a lot of UFC competition even before he got to the UFC Anthony Hernandez Eric Anders uh was on the contender series as well against uh Aaron Jeffrey that fight he had against Kevin Holland had to deal with that cut which was nasty but he goes out there and still submits Kevin Holland Kevin Holland has some great submission defense if you guys doubt that at all go check his fight with Gerald Mearshart that was a great fight where they were just exchanges pretty much exchanging submission attempts but uh yeah I, I like Brendan Allen here just due to the outs again the, the outside factors I just believe that there's a little bit of value here on him Again, I'll wait till I get a better number on him if I'm going to bet him. Otherwise, I'll pass. But in terms of just a prediction, I'm going to say Brendan Allen to win by decision. He just goes out there, rides out Tom Breeze, uh, and, and makes it a long, tough night for him. So I'm going with Tom, or sorry, Brendan Allen by decision. Next up, we got Gabriel Silva versus Kyler Phillips. This was one of the fights that I'd, I'm going to absolutely admit I didn't do the most tape study on this one. Um, I have no real interest in betting either side here. Uh, I believe Gabriel Silva is rightly favored and the line is minus 125. Makes complete sense. Uh, he makes no bones about his game plan either. He wants to go out there and get this fight to the ground too. I believe his jiu-jitsu is going to be better than Kyler Phillips here. Phillips has been working on his jiu-jitsu. Um, I believe is a training lab, one of the training lab guys there as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the MMA lab, I should say, actually. Um, you know, good training camp. Uh, he's only coming off of one victory here. Um, what am I missing? I believe he... Yeah, it's weird that he, he got the the call up here after his one fight in LFA. But uh, you got to believe that Eric Silva is the better fighter here, at least in terms of the jiu-jitsu. Uh, I haven't seen anything in terms of Kyler Phillips being able to stop crazy takedowns, and I think that Gabriel Silva is going to be re- relentless with them. Um you know, the, the Brad Katona fight, you got to take with a little bit of uh, a grain of salt. You know, uh, Brad Katona has a weird style in terms of implementing his grappling. He's a very forward pressure fighter, and he was able to break Kyler Phillips and continuously get him down uh, and outwork him. I think we won't see that type of approach from Silva, but I think that he'll still be able to to get the takedowns when he needs them and then just ride out Phillips on top. I don't have the best read on this fight. I'm being completely honest with you guys. So if you guys are really keen on wanting to bet this fight, I would highly recommend going to check out another prediction video to get a better read on this fight. But in my opinion, I'm just passing on it. I can't trust either guy. Um, Kyler Phillips making his UFC debut, so you might have to give a slight edge to Gabriel Silva there. Uh, 
but we saw some things that we did like in that Rayborg fight too. Rayborg did a good job of controlling Silva, but I think he was just a better scrambler, a better gas tank, and you got to attribute it to that too. So I don't think that Kyler Phillips is going to go out there and put on a Rayborg type of pace. So you can favor Gabriel Silva here, uh, but I'm going to take Silva by decision. Uh, and I think it's just like one of the, you know, like his uh, fight that he had over in Poland uh, against Camille, I believe it was, where he just pretty much took him down at will uh, and, and rolled out those fights on top. So I'm taking Gabriel Silva by decision. Next up, we got Steve Garcia Jr. versus Grant Dawson. This is a very short notice. Oh, wait, what am I talking about? Sorry, Steve Steve Garcia Jr. versus Luis Pena. This is a short notice fight for Garcia. Luis Pena was originally scheduled to fight uh, Alex Munoz. I did a little bit of tape on that fight and then found out Munoz dropped out. So that's always shitty, right? Fucking studying for a fight that ends up getting scrapped the next day. Nothing you can do. That fucking comes with the game. But uh, let's start off with Luis Pena. We already know what his game is all about. He's a long guy, one of the longer guys in the division. Uh, lost his last fight to Matt Favola via split. Believe that Favola won that fight. Uh, Favola was able to get on the inside, implement his grappling. Luis Pena has a great grappling base too. Uh, very awkward when it comes to trying to grapple with him too, just because he's so lanky and has decent sweeps. Um, but Favola did a decent job in terms of trying to hold him down and, and landing big shots too. That's one thing that Pena is going to have to work on is the striking defense. Steve Garcia can definitely crack. You know, that's something that you got to give to him. Uh, plus three, seven. Nope. Where is he at? Where's this line at? We still don't have. Oh, we do have a line for it. It just actually recently dropped. Yesterday when I recorded the podcast, there was no line for this fight. So there is now. Minus 300, Luis Pena. Plus 250, Steve Garcia Jr. Too much juice on Luis Pena, in my opinion. There was a lot of hype on him coming off of the, the contender series. Then he goes out there and loses to Mike Trezano, puts together two, another two wins, then loses to Matt Favola. He's He's still padding himself. I still think he's very green. And Steve Garcia has definitely been in the game for a little bit. 14 fights coming into this. He's fought, fought for Bellator a bunch. He's a Jackson Wing product, so he's fought on their uh, regional cards as well. He's put together four wins. Uh, his, his last fight against Horace Maris. Jose Mariscal for LFA was stopped very, very early. He was definitely putting it on Mariscal, but it wasn't like Mariscal was in crazy trouble. One of the crazier stoppages you've seen, and and I believe the commentators were actually, Pat Militich was ripping on the, the, the ref there too. I've, I've never really seen that ref around either too, so it was probably like low-level judging at that point, but uh, or refing, I should say. But he has a punch. He packs packs a lot of uh, power. Uh, Mariscal was able to get him down a couple times, so I believe that Pena will be able to complete those takedowns too, but he's going to have to be careful when he does close the distance because Garcia can crack, and we've seen Pena get hit. And I don't like, you know, kind of how he reacts when he gets hit. Um, a lot of growing for Pena still to do. I think he is rightfully favored, but definitely not this high. So if you want to talk about value, I think Steve Garcia is the way to go. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to pass on this fight in total. I probably won't even parlay Luis Pena either uh, in terms of my Hail Mary parlay. Not worth it in my opinion. I'm taking uh, Pena to win by decision here. Uh, but don't be surprised if Garcia goes out there and springs the upset. The guy's been around for a little bit, so he definitely has a lot more to, to offer than a plus 250, in my opinion, especially against a green fighter like Luis Pena, who's still trying to make strides uh, in his game. So uh, Pena by decision, but it's a no bet, and it's a complete pass for me. Next up, Grand Austin against Derek Minner. Talk about another short notice fight. There's a ton of short notice fights on this card. Very unfortunate for some of the fighters here. So let's start off with Grand Austin. He was actually supposed to fight Chas Kelly. They just, they're they're slowly turning into like 
Tony Ferguson versus Khabib. Like these guys can never, whenever they get scheduled to fight, there's always something pulling them out or or pushing their fight back, whatever it is. Unfortunately, the last thing now is Chas Kelly. I think he tore up his knee or something. So he's going to be out for a little bit. Uh, but in comes Derek Minner, who's been around the game. You, talk, you want to talk about a guy that's been around the game? This guy's 20, he's 24 and 10. He's coming into his 35th fight here, finally making his UFC debut. He's always gotten this close. He even had a contender series fight where he put it on Herbert Burns and and was close to tapping him out too and, and, and hurt him early. But then Herbert Burns obviously comes back and, and gets the better of the jiu-jitsu and taps him out. But he's always been there. And, and now he finally gets a shot here against Grant Dawson. And in terms of the odds, I think it's a little bit crazy. <laughs> Plus 375 for Derek Minner. And uh, I had a whole spiel about this yesterday when I was talking about when you have guys that have uh, a huge advantage but then to implement that advantage, they have to go into their their opponent's advantage. So it, that sounds weird as hell, right? Talking about an advantage against an advantage. But the best way that I can put it to you guys is like Ben Askren against Damian Maya. Ben Askren, the best way for him to Im- implement his game and get the victory is to implement his wrestling and, and try to grind out Damian Maya that way. And that's how he's always won his fights. But with him implementing his wrestling, that's him going in there and trying to... Uh, out grapple Damian Maya, who's a great grappler himself too. Now, I'm not trying to go out there and say that Derek Minner is fucking Damian Maya off of his back or in the grappling room, but he has 20 victories, either 20 or 21 victories via submission out of his 24 wins. That's got to say something. He, We've seen some crafty submissions from him in the past. Uh, he's always looking for a choke. He's always looking for an arm. So for Grand Dawson to win this fight, I believe he's going to have to implement his wrestling and, and out try to out-cardio Derek Minner and just continue to grind him out. But we have seen Dawson, you know, slow down in the past. A fight that comes to mind is Julian Arosa. I'm not saying that Minner is a Julian Arosa because Arosa brought something different to the game. He, he was a long-rangey fighter, uses kicks a lot too. Uh, knew his only way to win this fight was on the feet. So every time he got back to the feet, he tried putting it on Dawson, and then Dawson was able to get him back down and, and control him. That third round was getting a little bit sketchy for Dawson too. So you got to think Minner coming into this fight is like, okay, I know this guy's probably going to take me down, but that's working right into my game. So if you're giving me possibly 50... And again, I don't think Dawson is a crazy striker. I don't think he's the, the best striker out there either. And Minner has some power in his hands. We've definitely seen him drop some guys in the past too. Um... So I think this is going to play out mainly in the grappling realm. And if you're saying that, you know, a fight that's minus 420 or sorry, minus 470 for Grant Dawson, uh, but he has to go into his, you know, his opponent's advantage to, 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 to pull off this victory, I would rather side with the plus 375 if I'm being completely honest. Um, yeah, again, Dawson is obviously the younger fighter here. He's probably going to be the more the stronger fighter, but it's going to come down to him, you know, uh, using his his cardio a little bit better than he has in the past, um, you know, and I think that's going to be tough against a guy like Minner who's going to be looking for subs, looking for sweeps, making him constantly work even off of his back. So I like the plus three seventy five on Derek Minner. I may potentially put like 0.5 units on it or something like that, uh, but I just don't see a reason as to why you should bet bet Grant Dawson at these uh, at these odds. If he was in the minus one fifty to minus two hundred range, I I would get it. But uh, minus 470 is a little bit crazy. And say what you want about like the, the short notice for Minner here. This guy's been fighting for fucking 34, 34 fights now. I'm sure he's had a bunch of short notice fights in the past. And again, this fight's going to have to be taken into his realm 
for Dawson to get this victory. Uh, and I'm willing to take the chances at plus 375. So for the prediction wars that I'm doing for uh, Mr. Arkansas, shout out to him as well. Uh, I'm going to go with Minner here. I'm going to, I think that everybody's going to pick Dawson. So I'll go with Minner. I'm going to say Minner by submission, third round. Um, but yeah, be very wary about parlaying Grant Dawson in any type of Hail Mary uh, long shot type of parlays. I think that he has the, 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 the best chance to shit the bed out of all the big favorites on this card. So be very, very wary telling you guys i'm picking minner by third round sub we'll see how it actually plays out and if i'll actually bet it myself but but three plus 375 is is very very intriguing he's getting close to to plus 400 on one of my websites on sport bet so i might even have to put the 0.25 units on him there i think he's worth the shot all right next up megan anderson against norman dumont or norma dumont almost made her a, a male If you guys have been following me for a while now, you guys know how much I, I'm not a, you know, I'm not really a fan of Megan Anderson. I don't know what it is about her, uh, whether it's her striking, uh, whether it's her trying to be too sexy. And, you know, I, 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 I have no animosity towards her. I just, uh, I hope the best for her. Uh, but I love fading her. I did fade her against uh, Zara Fain. Uh, I'm never going to get this girl's name this girl's name who does actually fight later in the card too I'm never going to get her name down but let's go with Zara um, I did bet Zara there she was like a huge favorite or underdog like plus 400 plus 500 I think that I thought that was crazy I, I was okay decently impressed with Zara's stand-up um, and we did see it for a little bit before Megan Anderson initiated the clinch got the fight to the ground and got the submission but you know she did put it on Megan for a little bit there uh and the issue in this fight in terms of capping it is is more so Norma than it is Megan. There's not that much out there for Norma. You know, there's just a, the one fight that she had. I believe it was for Jungle Fight. I got to correct myself real quick. Actually, it was for a, for a different promotion, but it was the er, Erica Ladyanne fight. That's, that's the only one that I could find. There was another one that I had, but that got removed by the owner um, of the footage. Uh, but there's just not enough. From what I did see, the three minutes and 30 seconds that I did see, She's so decent striking, but this is all against a girl that was 0-2. Um, didn't look like she really belonged to be in the cage there with uh, Norma. Um, so maybe that more exaggerated how good Norma looked in that fight. Um, and then it was actually the other girl, Erica, who engaged in the clinch, tried to get the fight to the ground. Norma you know, was having none of that, was able to reverse the position and just uh, got the takedown herself. And then she ended up working for a rear naked choke. Just not enough out there for me to confidently cap this fight and say, okay, put your money on Norma Dumont or put your money on Megan Anderson. There's just not enough out there. And I'm seeing a lot of people betting Megan Anderson. You got to be careful. You know, she's she's a decent striker in the sense that she has a lot of power and she'll probably have, you know, she'll always be the one with the most power at this division just because there's such a lack of skill there. But in terms of technique she's she still has a lot to work on and she has a great coach in james cross and i think that he could you know he could do very good things with her if he continues to work with her but uh you know she's very wild with her striking i think somebody with uh crisp hands would definitely give her issues we've seen that in the past um in the holly home fight she goes out there and you know she cracks holly home makes it pretty much a close fight but uh then it comes down to holly home a striker turning into a, a grappler and then her out grappling megan anderson so we saw a huge flaw in her game there so if norma comes out there and wants to out grapple megan anderson 
there's just not enough for me other than the fact that I know that she had a rear naked choke win in that one fight that we have footage of. There's just not enough out there for me to be like, okay, she's going to go out there, take Megan Anderson down and just ride her for three rounds. I don't know. I, I'm not sure if that's what's actually going to happen. Um, just for the fuck of it, I will predict that Dumont is going to win here. I will say that Dumont goes out there and, and takes her down and, and gets a, a submission of some sort. Uh, but another thing that you have to take into consideration here is that Dumont hasn't fought in over two years or close to two years. It's weird that Megan Anderson is always getting these types of opponents now. I feel like, I've told people before, after Cyborg left, I believe this is now the Megan Anderson division. This They're still keeping around to hope that you know she has the looks for it. She has this uh, exciting striking style of you know knocking chicks out. Uh, so she could definitely definitely be marketable, but her skill needs to come up a little bit. She's not going to go in there and and challenge Amanda Nunes today. Like Nunes will probably be like a minus five hundred, minus six hundred, and I would probably bet her at those fucking odds too. Maybe even inside the distance, five rounds for Nunes to finish Anderson. Completely on board with that. I think she could tap her out. But um, again, she she's kind of being fed this fight. Let's hope she's able to go out there and actually pass the test here. Uh, I believe she has the capabilities to do so, but again, lack of tape makes me not want to bet this fight at all. But I'm going to say Norma Dumont by the submission. Just, again, can't be too confident about it. But I'm taking Dumont by submission. Next up, we got Ion, Iwan Kutilaba versus Magomed Ankalaev. Um, this may actually be my lock of the night play. I love me some Magomed Ankalaev. And besides his one hiccup against Paul Craig where he tapped out with one second left, the guy has looked amazing. Um, amazing striking. You know, he holds his range very well, uses his kicks very well, um, kind of knows when to really... We, we haven't really seen him in crazy trouble other than him getting tapped by Paul Craig, but we have the benefit of the fact that he kind of fought the same mold of fighter last time around when he went up against Dolce Lungiambula. You know, there was one moment where we saw Lungyambula actually, you know, crack him. Uh, Uncle Live got his shit right, pretty much back together right immediately, and then was able to take over the fight again. Um, you know, his wrestling is good enough to to stifle anything that Kutilab is going to throw at him. All it comes down to is if Kutilab is going to be able to land that bomb on Uncle Live. And if that's really the only path to victory for the opponent, uh, and I'm going to talk about something similar like this when we get to the main event, but if that's his only you know path to victory, I I don't see why Uncle Live should be the fucking, why he should not be the lock of the night play. You know, he's going to be able to outstrike him. He's going to use the range very well. His cardio is good enough to 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 keep up with Kutilab for a round and a half, which is the amount of cardio I think Kutilab has. Um and then goes out there and finishes him later in the fight. Uh, but at the minus, he even got down to like minus 185, which was crazy. Now he's up to minus 250, minus 225. Happy to bet him there too. But I think there's going to be a little bit of Kutilaba love that continues to come in. So I'm going to sit tight. Um, if I see minus 200 even, I might just pull the trigger at that time. Uh, but if I have to bite the bullet and bet him at like minus 230 or something, minus 240, I'll do that as well too. This is my most confident bet on the card. Outside of a first round Kutilaba knockout, there's no way that Ankalaev loses this fight. And again, you got to take a... You got to take it with a little bit of grain of salt with with the lock of the night. You know, there is always variance. There is always the the chance the the banana peel method or or Kutilaba actually landing that bomb. I just don't see it. Like based on everything that I've seen so far, um, Magomed does a great job of holding range and and keeping fighters on the outside using his kicks. Um, if it comes to wrestling, I think that he will have the advantage there too. 
Um, I think Kutilaba starts sucking one in the sixth or seventh minute, and that's where we see Ankalaev really take over. Again, very, very hard for me to see how Ankalaev loses this fight. And again, when I said he has really good with his kicks, just watch his knockout of Dolce, Lungia, and Bula. Landed a beautiful front kick to the face, rocked him, followed up with punches, and finished the fight ASAP. We could see something similar here, too. Um, he's so quick with it. Like, there's no way Dolce saw that coming, hence why he got finished. Uh, we could see that with Kutilava starting to, starting to slow down in the second round, and then we see a quick uh, strike from Ankalaev to, to put him on his butt and put him out. The, it's very concerning that you're still getting Kutilava going out there and getting a loss to Glover to share in fucking 2019. Loses that fight by rear naked choke. He almost finished Glover a little bit earlier in that fight, but you know he just wasn't able to. And his fight against Clear Roundtree, there's a little bit of recency bias going on for this in terms of why uh, Uncle isn't a bigger favorite here. You know, people are going to say, "Oh, look, he he's changing up his game now. He's actually going out there and wrestling guys." Clear Roundtree has been out wrestled by fighters in the past too. He fell in love to the Muay Thai thing, and and you know instead of like. Like he was doing very poor defensive things when Kutilaba was actually starting to clinch up and try to get the takedowns. Instead of like, you know, digging for underhooks or anything like that, this guy's looking to like land elbows while getting taken down while one leg is fucking, you know, in Kutilaba's grasps. We're not going to see that from Uncle Ev. He's going to be a lot smarter than that. He's going to be digging for underhooks. He's going to be digging to get off the cage or whatever the fuck it is. We're going to see a much better performance from Uncle Ev than we did uh, from uh, Roundtree uh, when he fought Kutilaba. So, Love Uncle Live here. Uh, love the spot that he's at too. I, I love the minus 215 even. Again, I'm going to be greedy and wait for that minus 200 because I think it could get get back down there. I think there's going to be some love for Kutilaba. And again, the recency bias that he took out Khalil Roundtree last time around. But I think Uncle Live is, is the, the uncrowned champ at two, 205. I think he's the... the you know, Dominic Reyes and Uncle Ive, those are the last two guys that should be able to give John Jones trouble. I, I'd like to think Rakic is still up there too, so I'm not completely writing him off, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Uncle Ive get a title shot late 2020 or early 2021, uh, especially if he's able to start finishing these guys in spectacular fashion. The Dolce fight was a great start. Hopefully, he's able to get another one here in Kutilaba. But I'm taking uh, Uncle Ive by third round, third round finish. I don't know exactly what, though. I'll say TKO. Uh, could absolutely be a submission too, but I'm going to go with TKO on Clive third round, uh, and that's going to be the lock of the night play. So you guys can fucking don't ask me in the comments. It's going to be fucking on Clive. All right, next up we got Felicia Spencer against Zara Farn. No idea why this fight is the the co-main event, and I'm sure every fucking podcast that you've listened to about this card is saying the same thing. So I won't get too deep into that. But with Felicia Spencer. Uh, actually, somebody in one of my Twitter groups actually asked, uh, you know, if Spencer and Zara fought 10 times, how many times would Felicia win? I said she would win 15 times out of 10 times. <laughs> she would beat her the exact same way each time as well, too. I just haven't seen the best takedown defense from Zara. You know, she's she's decent on the feet. I think she may even have a slight advantage on the feet here over Felicia Spencer, but Spencer is kind of just like a bulldozer. She goes in there, tries to get you down to, to the canvas as soon as possible. I don't see anything from Farron that shows me that she'll be able to keep this fight on the feet. And I think that we see Spencer just go in there, get the rear naked choke and, and cash another paycheck. I, I It's tough for me to see how Zara wins this fight. She doesn't pack the biggest punch behind her strikes either, so it's tough for me to see her, her go out there and, and flash KO Felicia Spencer maybe she lands some sort of like flying knee when she's anticipating a takedown from Felicia but I see Felicia going in there and just getting the takedown almost immediately within the first minute getting this to the ground getting the back and getting the choke uh, 
no no two ways about it it's it's very very clear as to what's going to happen here um outside of a a freak knockout or something like that minus 800 makes absolute complete sense <laughs> i'm going to be honest there um the bet here if you guys are really really wanting to bet this fight is uh spencer inside the distance minus 210 a little bit of value there i'm going to be honest i'm not i don't know if i'll bet it myself maybe i'll throw it into my hail mary parlay uh, but minus 210 isn't bad considering that. I think that she will, 15 out of 10 times, take Zara down immediately. Uh, Zara will give up her back, and then we get a rear naked choke for Felicia Spencer. So I'll say first round RNC for uh, Felicia. And that's going to be my pick for that. I hate picking the minus 800, but when it's so clear as to what's probably going to happen, you got to go that way. All right, main event time. Joseph Benavides against Davison Figueredo. Very excited for this fight. Um, before I really started to dig into the tape on this fight, I was actually thinking that I was going to make Joseph Benavides a, a 3.5 unit locker than I play. Don't know if I can do that anymore. You know, he should absolutely win this fight. And I am predicting him to win this fight. Um, and it's not even the line that's kind of scaring it from me. It's more so the, the technical aspects of this fight. And, you know, one thing more so than the other. So let's let's just be clear. Joseph Benavides is obviously going to have the cardio and grappling advantage in this fight. Doesn't take a scientist to fucking figure that shit out. Um, the 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 most advantageous rounds for Figueredo or the the rounds that he should be able to get the victory here is rounds one and two. He packs a lot of power in his punches. He's quick. Uh, he's very precise with his strikes too, um, and he ha- holds a ton of power. So if you guys remember about the Kutalaba fight, I was talking about if a fighter only has one path to victory, you know, it's more than likely that you should bet the other side, especially if the other side is a much better overall fighter. But with Figueredo, his speed coupled with Joseph Benavidez's lack of striking defense or lack of concern for striking defense could spell some some bad shit for Benavidez. And I really hope not. Like, I, I hope Benavidez actually goes out there, pulls off the victory here. Uh, and again, I am picking him to win. Uh, but I think Figueredo has all the tools all the physical capabilities of actually landing on Benavides. And there's one combination, if you guys have been watching the tape, there's one combination you guys see that Benavides loves to throw, especially when he's, he always is the shorter fighter. Let's get that out of the way. But uh, one thing that he always loves to do is, is he tucks his chin in a little bit, but then he rips shots to the body by closing the distance. Like his, his, his entry into closing the distance is always these uppercuts to the body and blitzing forward, keeping his chin down, but not really keeping his hands up either. So I believe if Figueredo's coaches are watching that, they're going to be like, all right, once you see him start to, to give that, that tell that he's going to start to close the distance and, and come with that combination, just fucking throw your, throw your, throw your power hand straight down the middle, aim for the chest. You're going to land on his chin and you're probably going to hurt him. We've seen Sergio Pettis hurt Benavides. He rocked him. He stunned him because he was precise. He was quick. And I believe he saw that that in Benavides' game as well. I think Davison has all has more power than Pettis. So he he would it would be much more trouble for Benavides if Benavides tried doing that type of stuff and and Davison was actually aware of what to do in that instance. Uh and he needs 10 minutes. He needs 10 minutes to find that one shot that could possibly put Benavides on his butt. With that said, that's not enough reasoning for me to go out there and want to bet Davison at plus 125 or even bet him at all. The the play here, um, if you are looking to bet uh, uh, Davison, it's probably Davison inside the distance. What is it? Plus 460 for Figueredo to win inside the distance. 
it's crazy that Figueroa to win, to win by a decision is plus 225. Just don't see that. Like, there's there's no way he goes out there and takes three rounds from fucking Joseph Benavides. That's just not going to happen. So if you are looking to bet Figueroa and you do have access to uh, the inside the distance odds, Figueroa plus 460 inside the distance is a very good bet in my opinion. Again, if you want to bet Figueroa, there's no point in taking the, the plus 125 change that you'd get there. But... But my play, actually, what I'd be looking at uh, as my possible dog of the night play is the under four and a half. So either we get a Davison Figueredo first or second round KO, or we get Benavides completely outworking this guy and then getting a submission or a TKO in that fourth round when he is a- easily able to get Figueredo down, uh, con- continuously punch him, and, and we just see Figueredo's stamina continue to drop and drop and drop, and Benavides continue. We've seen him go five rounds on numerous occasions and still able to go out there and go for another fucking five rounds if he needed to. So I believe Benavides has that significant cardio advantage, which will help him get him, the, get him a finish later in the fight. Uh, fight doesn't go to decision. Fight doesn't go to decision. It's currently plus one thirty-five. So that leads me to believe that the under four and a half will probably be around uh, plus one sixty-ish, plus one fifty even. And I'm happy to take a shot on that if that's that is what it end what it ends up being. Uh, let me just take a quick look actually at Pinnacle. Uh, Pinnacle normally has these these uh, odds up already in terms of unders. Uh, let me just do this live real quick. I apologize. I apologize for this weight let's see mma mixed martial arts leagues ufc davison figueredo oh they don't have the over under yet so i guess i was off with that but either way i'm expecting it to be plus 150 if there is any indication from the plus 135 fight decision in terms of bet i'm going to say benavidez by fourth round tko uh would be skeptical of betting him. I see a lot of people out there betting him. And again, I am predicting him to win. So, okay, I understand that. But just be very, very wary. And just know that Davison has that one-shot knockout power. And we've seen the the chink that he could potentially expose in Benavides in his striking defense to actually land that power shot. So, yeah, I, it's pushed me away from wanting to bet Benavides, but I'm actually a little bit more keen to betting the under four and a half. And I got to give my man Notorious Picks a little bit of a shout out here because he did initially bring that to my attention. And then when I looked at it a little bit more, I'm like, you know what? That's actually not that bad of a bet. So we'll see what the under four and a half looks like when it actually comes out. But I'm going to take Benavides by by fourth round TKO. Um, and we he finally captures the belt. A part of me hopes that he just retires after that. Fuck it. Don't even bother defending it. Just just, just say that you've reached the pinnacle of the sport. You've been around for fucking forever. You've only lost to the best of the best. Call it a career. Go home to your girl, uh, Megan Olivia. I'm sure they have a bunch of other shit that they can do. Uh, but uh, I would love to see Benavides win the title here. Uh, and it would be even nice if my prediction is bang on with the fourth round TKO. So, just to quickly recap, Locker than I play is probably going to be Magomed Ankalaev. Just going to wait and see what happens with that line. And then uh, possible dog of the night plays, I'll only pick one of them. But uh, either Sean Brady, if he gets to the plus 125-ish range. Um, Brendan Allen, if he gets to the plus 130, plus 135-ish range. Uh, and then a possible small stab on Derek Minner, uh, if that plus 400 reaches as well too. Like a 0.25. Uh, and then uh, the under, one and uh, hopefully under 4.5 on the Benavides and Figueredo fight. So that's UFC Norfolk. 
I think I did a good job compared to yesterday. <laughs> so I'm glad to finally get this uh, get this podcast done with and, and get it out for you guys as soon as possible. Just quick things. I'm going to be dropping a Combative Stories episode tomorrow as well. Uh, that's going to be with the matchmaker for the regional show that me and uh, Z are going to hit up this weekend. So make sure you guys check that out. We talked about the, the fights that we're going to be watching, which is uh, just a quick thing. Jesse Bronson's in the main event, former UFC guy there. Uh, he's fighting Troy Lamson, who actually fought Alex Munoz uh, on the last looking for a fight. So you might recognize him from there. Um, Cody Fisher is fighting a local legend here in Adam Macenza. If you guys are in the Toronto area, please come out. Please, please, please come out. Regional MMA is super fucking fun to watch. Um, seeing a couple of these guys making their debuts and the couple fights in between, and then obviously the headliners are, are the main selling points. Um, but if you guys are there, hit me up. Hit, hit me or Z up. We'll be there and we'll say what up to you guys. Um, tape index, make sure you guys check that shit out. Everything that you need for your gambling preparations needs, all on one page, everything just one click away. Um, and I think that's about it. I think I'm done podcast for the week too. Thank God. It feels like a long ass week. Um, next week, I got two in studio guests. Those episodes will be coming out throughout those weeks as well too. And that's it. I got to go in and fucking edit this shit and get it out to you guys ASAP and then start editing the Combatistors episode too. So long night ahead for you, boy. I uh, appreciate you guys checking out the episode. Make sure you guys subscribe, dude. I'm over the 800 mark. I appreciate you guys for that. But I want to get to that 1,000 mark. That's that's my goal. Uh, so I appreciate you guys hitting the subscribe there. Hit the like. Leave a comment. Talk shit. Love me. Do whatever the fuck you guys want. Show, just, just do something with the video or podcast, whatever the fuck it is. Anyway, see you guys next week. Check out the Twitter. I'll be releasing my bet on there, obviously. Uh, my bet's on there. And that's it. I just want to keep talking. But I won't. I won't bore you guys with that shit. All right, see you guys next week, uh, and good luck on your best this weekend.